0: Well, it's clear that uh, my sermon this morning from James 3 is about the use of the tongue and about the power of words. The tongue has been called the world's smallest troublemaker. And I am sure that all of you at some time in your life have experienced that to be true. The Bible has a lot to say about the tongue and about words and the way we speak to each other. And so it's clear that it is something that is important to our Heavenly Father. It was obviously a problem for those to whom James was writing when he wrote this letter to people in his day. If you look back with me at chapter 1, in verse 19, he says this, This you know, my beloved brethren, and he mentions he calls them my beloved brethren several times in this book. It's it's clear has a close relationship with them. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. If you look in chapter four, and verse one, it's clear that they were had some conflicts, had some quarrels. Can't imagine that in the church, can you? Had some, had some quarreling going on. And he says in verse 1, What is the source of the quarrels and conflicts among you? And, and what do we use to quarrel? We use our words. The things that we say. Look in verse 11 of chapter 4. He says this, do not speak against one another. And he, he, he says that in the context of judging each other, don't judge each other, don't speak against one another. And again, how do we do that? We use our tongues, we use our words to judge others and to speak against them. No one can question the power of the tongue. In fact, our words are some of the most powerful tools that God has given to us. Think of what we just done this morning with our our tongues. We use our our tongues to pray and to praise God. We use them to worship as we're doing this morning, to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to the Lord. We use them, as I'm doing now, to preach, to teach the truths of God's Word. We use them to share the good news of the gospel so that others are led to salvation and to faith in Jesus Christ. We use our, our tongues to encourage other people. To praise them. To congratulate them. To tell them they did a good job. We all know how good that feels, don't we? The balm of a compliment. Encouragement of a good word. Someone saying something nice about us. But also the tongue is used to tell lies. used to spread rumors to defame the character of of other people. It's used to belittle people, to talk behind their backs or to hurt their feelings. And we know how bad that feels, don't we? The tongue is a powerful tool. And that's what James is talking about in our text. And it's interesting to me that he uses a number of word pictures in these verses to explain to us the power of the tongue. And I want to look at those word pictures with you this morning. And we see, first of all, that in the text, James is clear in saying that the, the tongue has the power to direct, or it has the the power to give direction to our lives, and he—it's interesting—he begins this discussion of the tongue or the use of words in, in an odd kind of place, and he addresses those who desire to be teachers, and it apparently is obvious there were a number of people to whom, in this group, to whom James is writing, uh, who desire to be teachers or who desire to be spiritual leaders. And James tells them in verse 1 let not many of you become teachers my brethren. Now it's interesting in a day when many churches are looking for any warm body that will teach. In a day when churches are recruiting teachers and looking for people to teach James is discouraging people from teaching in fact he tells many of them not to do it these are people who apparently wanted to teach perhaps because they were attracted by the apparent authority or influence or prestige that came along with teaching especially teaching in the church Boy, they forgot was the tremendous responsibility and accountability that comes along with teaching. Look at how James puts it again in verse one: "Let many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment." The Bible is clear: those who teach God's word will incur, will endure a stricter judgment. How does that fit into this discussion as he's going to lead into a discussion of the use of the tongue? Well, we teach with our tongues, don't we? We teach with words. And again, words. Even in this context, in a Sunday school context, in a Bible study context, in a women in the church context, in a men of the covenant context, However words are used in teaching, words are powerful things. We all know the blessing of good teaching. How it encourages us. How it instructs us. How it helps us. But also we know the danger of false teaching. How it can lead people astray. How it can give them false hope. How it can Give them a skewed view of spiritual realities. You see, who, who, who teaches and what is taught is so important. James says, look, you be careful. You be careful before you say yes. That's an odd thing for a preacher to say, isn't it? That's what James says. Let not many of you become teachers. Because if you teach, you need to make sure you've got the gift to teach, you've got the ability to teach, and you've got the right stuff to teach. Because words, words are powerful. And they direct our lives. But the caution is not just given to those who would teach. The caution in the text really is to a broader group, that is to everyone. Everyone. Within the body of Christ. It extends to all of us. Look at verse 2. Where he says. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says. He is a perfect man. Able to bridle the whole body as well. If we were to list our sins this morning. Relax we're not going to do that. But if we were going to list our sins this morning. There would be a lot of them. And a little be shocked by how many of them have to do with what we say the use of our words and the use of our tongue James calls them here he doesn't call them sins he calls them the way that we stumble and as we'll see in just a, a little bit the tongue is almost an uncontrollable thing And James says here, in fact, that if you have the ability to control your tongue, you have the ability to control every other part of your body. In fact, he really says it this way. If you have the power and the ability to live without sinning by what you say, then you have the power and the ability to live without sin. Now, we all know that we don't have the ability to live without sin, which means we're all going to struggle, folks, with the use of the tongue. That's just how powerful the tongue is. And James uses two word pictures to describe the, the power the tongue has to direct or to guide our lives. And one of those is the bit that goes into a horse's mouth. The other is a rudder that is attached to a ship. Now what those two objects have in common is they're both small. They direct something, give direction to something far larger than themselves. The bit, of course, is just a small piece that fits into the horse's mouth. And yet the one who's riding the horse uses that small bit to give direction to that animal to direct the way he or she wanted to go. The rudder is just a small part of a boat or a ship. It's under the water; you can't even see it. And as James says, even though the vessel is so large, and even though it goes against such strong winds, the pilot uses that little rudder to, to change the direction of that huge vessel. The application is clear, isn't it? The tongue is just a small part of our bodies, comparatively speaking. We don't even see it very often. And yet it has the power to direct the course and the direction of your life. You know, the, the Bible has a lot to say about that. Again, if you look with me in the book of Proverbs, we could spend a lot of time this morning in Proverbs, but I'm going to avoid the temptation to do that. Because the Proverbs have a lot to say about words. And about the way we talk and the way we speak. Go to Proverbs 13. In verse 3. It says, The one who guards his mouth preserves his life. The one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. The power to direct us toward life or toward death Proverbs 18 and verse 7 a fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are the snare of his soul and then over to uh, verse 21 of chapter, this chapter 18 death again and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit death and life Or in the power of the tongue. The tongue sets the direction of our lives. The way we use our tongue helps us stay on the proper course. We all know how either a horse that is out of control or a ship that is uh, wayward and beyond the control of the pilot and the rudder both can do. Enormous damage Cause injury Or even death When I was the executive director of Palmer Home for Children I had the responsibility of overseeing the staff That took care of our horses We had seven or eight horses And all those horses had been donated didn't take me long to learn That the reason people donated horses to Palmer Home Is because there was something wrong with them They didn't want those horses anymore They were old, didn't have any more teeth, they're wild as bucks, but we weren't in a place to turn down donations, we had to take them. But we also had to make sure that they were safe before we could allow the children either to ride them or to take care of them. I had a female assistant who helped me and she was in charge of the horses and she was had that position because she, she was the only one I could find who knew anything about horses. But we had a, had a horse named Red donated one day, and we, we hung on to Red. It was a good-looking horse, seemed healthy. Finally, um, she decided she would ride the horse to see if the horse was gentle. And so she got on the horse, and she hadn't gone about 30 yards and the horse began to act in ways that we didn't want the horse to act. And she lost control of the reins. And I still have embedded in my memory the image of that horse running and bucking with her desperately trying to hold on, as well as the image of her lying on the ground in a heap after the horse threw her. Fortunately, she was not seriously hurt. But it shows the power of what James is talking about here, the power of an animal that is out of control. In the same way, is same way with a boat or a ship that is, that is just out of control. It is going to damage anything that's in its way. And that's the danger of the tongue, isn't it? That's the power of the tongue. It has the power to direct the course of our lives, and if it isn't giving us the right direction it can cause great havoc and do great damage. Look at verse 5. So also the tongue is a small part of the body and yet it boasts of great things. It it talks of things that aren't true. It boasts of things that aren't reality. And of course the the Bible says that the boasting is is a real problem. The, The pride goes before a fall. And so the tongue has the power to direct our lives. Second, the tongue has the power to destroy. Again, showing the great power of the tongue when it's out of control. And again, he uses two word pictures to show the destructive power of the tongue one is fire, and the other is animals. We all know the destructive force of fire, don't we? Fire can destroy an entire forest. It can level the largest and most impressive home. It can melt away some of the strongest metals. And the odd thing is that these huge fires can be started by just a very small spark. End of verse 5, James says it. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the text says again that that is the way it is with our words. You know, what we say can seem so small, it can seem so insignificant at the moment. And it can set a flame, a raging fire that does tremendous damage to the lives of people. You know, the book of Proverbs also says this, For lack of wood, a fire goes out. And where there is no whisper, contention dies down. Like charcoal to embers, and wood to fire, so is a contentious man who kindles strife. You see, our words even though they may, again, seem small and passing and inconsequential and insignificant, they can be a spark that kindles the fire in someone's life or you've seen it. A fire in a group, a fire in a church, fire in a family, fire in a home because of words that were spoken carelessly. Look at what James says in verse 6, And the tongue is a fire. It doesn't say it's like fire, it says it is a fire. The very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. You talk about a strong denunciation of an uncontrolled tongue. Dung's a fire. It's the world of iniquity. It sets on fire the course of our life. Uncontrolled tongue is set on fire itself by hell. And it tells me? It tells me that one of Satan's favorite tools is right here. One of Satan's favorite tools is the tongue using what we say cause strife and division, quarrels and conflicts among people. You can't find a more graphic description of the danger of the tongue than James 3, 6. You know, sometimes we, we describe conversations as heated, don't we? We had a heated conversation. The words can generate heat. They can be a destructive force. They can arouse our anger. They can set off our temper. Words can do great damage, just like a, a fire. Great damage to our emotions. Great damage to our feelings. Great damage to our self-confidence and to our self-image. But also, he goes on to, to say that a fire destroys like an animal, like a wild, vicious animal and he talks here about how the, the tongue is untamed it says in verse 7 for every species of beasts and birds of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed but no one can tame the tongue that's an interesting analogy isn't it comparing the tongue not just to a fire which burns and, and, and destroys but but to a wild animal that many times lies in wait and then sees its prey and pounces to destroy. Well, it got quiet in here, didn't It got real quiet in here. We all know what that's like. Either you, yourself, having done that, or you, yourself, I haven't been the victim of that. Past Christmas, one of my sons gave Carol uh, a video, a very nice video uh, set on, on nature. Beautiful scenes. Glorious depictions of the, of the creative power of God. But there are in those videos some graphic scenes of wild animals. Animals in the wild attacking one another. Folks, it's almost hard to watch as these animals lay in wait and they see this other animal coming back and they pounce and they rip it apart. That's what James is saying. Those are wild animals and they do great damage and an untamed just as vicious look at what he says in verse 7 it is a restless evil and it is full of deadly poison and the tongue can do great damage let's be clear, clear the tongue is dangerous wild and untamed and it can do untold damage but you know, the interesting thing to me is he's used two word pictures here. He's used fire and he's used animals. When out of control, they do great damage. But you know both of them, both of them, when they are controlled, can do great do good. Many of you have a fireplace in your homes. Use those fireplaces to give you warmth. Animals are, domesticated animals are a great blessing and benefit. Many of you have pets at your house that you love and care for, and yet out of control, they do great damage. They have the power to destroy. Then, third, the tongue has the tendency to show what I'm calling great division, to be inconsistent we see that in two more word pictures in verses 8 through 12. And those word pictures are of a a fountain and of a tree. And James uses those two illustrations of the fountain and the tree as a warning to be consistent in the way that we use the tongue. Fountains and trees are consistent. That's what James is saying here. A fountain doesn't produce sweet water one minute and bitter water the next like James says, a fig tree doesn't produce olives. You don't go to an orange tree and expect to find apples. Nature produces after itself. But how inconsistent we are as believers, aren't we? In the way that we use the tongue. We use the tongue so inconsistently. Look at what he says in verses 9 and 10. With it, that is with the tongue, with our words, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. That is the inconsistency of the tongue. It is inconsistent for you as a believer... To, to praise God one moment and to curse someone else the next. It is inconsistent. For you use your tongue and worship here, singing praise to God and praying to God corporately with God's people and step outside and say something cutting, hurtful about another person or to another person. I think she was going to say in the verse... 10, my brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send forth from the same opening fresh and bit of water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce fi- olives or a vine, produce figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh. We ought to use our tongues consistently with what we are. You know, I've talked a lot about the problem of, with the tongue. But I hope you realize this morning the problem really is not with the tongue at all, is it? The problem is much deeper. The problem is with the heart. Proverbs 16:23 says, "The heart of the wise instructs his mouth. The heart of the wise does what it instructs, it teaches his mouth, tells it what to say. Jesus was even more clear." He said the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Boy, did you hear that? The mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. That means if you say words in anger, there's anger in your heart. That means if you say words that are full of bitterness, there's bitterness in your heart. It means if you say something or use your words to spread gossip or to slander someone or to belittle them, to embarrass them, to hurt their feelings, tell a lie, deceive them, it's because of the condition of your heart. And you know what Jesus does? What does Jesus give us? Jesus gives us a a new heart. He gives us a new heart. And when Jesus gives us a new heart, it, it changes and transforms everything there is about us. Doesn't it? That's what the gospel, that's what the power of the gospel is about. It's a transforming power. It changes us. It makes us different. And if we're no different, we ought to ask ourselves, have I really experienced the life-changing, life-transforming power of the gospel? You see, the gospel changes the way that you think. The gospel changes the way you set your priorities. The gospel changes the determination of your values. The gospel changes the way that you act and behave. And the gospel even changes the way that you speak. The mouth speaks, Jesus says, what fills the heart. And that's why the the language... Of believers ought to be different from that of the unbeliever. That's why the way that folks in the body of Christ speak to each other ought to be different from the way that people speak to each other in the world. Believers ought to have a communication system that protects feelings, protects our hearts, protects. Our self-image. We ought not to be in the business of tearing each other down, discouraging each other, but building each other up and encouraging one another. If you look with me at Ephesians chapter 4, just two more references and then we'll be through this morning. Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 29, Holy Spirit tells us this. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification. That's for building up, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Then you go to Colossians chapter 3. Verses 8 through 10. But now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander. And abusive speech from your mouth. And do not lie to one another. And here's the reason why. Since you laid aside the old self with his evil practices. And have put on the new self. Who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the one image of the one who created him. Folks, if we have laid aside the old man, put on the new man, if we're new creatures in Christ, then it ought to be demonstrated in the way that we talk. We ought not to have malice, slander, and abusive speech come from our mouth. I ought not to be lying to one another since we are new creatures in Christ. If you look at chapter 4 of Colossians Verse 6, let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Let your speech be always with grace seasoned, as it were, with salt. So, to have a gospel-driven life or to have a Christ-centered life means that our words are different. And our words are different because we are different. And so what really matters this morning is not so much your care of the tongue, it's the care of your heart. To make sure that your heart is in the right place. Because if your heart is in the right place, your words will be in the right place. To make sure that your heart is filled with good things. Because if your heart is filled with good things, your mouth is going to speak good things as well. And so my encouragement to you this morning is to be a people, consistent people, with who you are. You are new creatures in Christ. If you have embraced Him by faith, you have a a new heart, a new life, that will give you the ability to speak new words. To To your spouse children your neighbor whoever it might be is the power not just of the tongue is the power of the gospel let's pray Father thank you so much for your word we pray that this morning we would find ourselves to be living with new hearts given to us by grace And Father, I pray that you would help us to live consistently with who we are in Christ. And part of that would show itself in the way we use our words and speak to each other, that we would build each other up and glorify you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.